But for me, it's still around the most important criteria is leadership in a very volatile environment and engage people, envision people to take them with you through the journey. I think that's that's it because the world will become far more ambiguous. Decisions will become far more ambiguous, especially as more you deal with systems. And the decision cycles will become much shorter no? because everything is real time and you learn, you know, you win some, you lose some, so you will always have decisions you get right and decisions you you do wrong. Important is that you take a decision and move forward. You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. This week, my guest is Harold Emberger. Harold is the Chief Supply Chain Officer at Byersdorf, one of the world's leading FMCG companies whose brands include Nivea, Eucerin, and Teza. Prior to joining the company, Harold held several different leadership roles with both Unilever and Mars, including Head of Supply Chains for the Americas and Europe. Since joining Byersdorf in 2015, Harold has been focused on growing the company's end-to-end supply chain, and I'm delighted that he's agreed to be on the show. As I made reference to during the episode, Harold and I last touched base last year during Future Insects Network's SSCE event that was held in London. And so it's great to be able to catch up with him and find out more about what the company has been up to in the last 12 months. During this episode, Harold and I discussed the impact of Byersdorf's new production centers had on the business, why the supply chain should be taking more risks when it comes to talent, and how cyber attack changed the company's fortunes forever. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Harold. Welcome to Transform Talks. Thank you, Maria. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. You know, it's it's been a while since we spoke, since we chatted, because you spoke at our uh, SSCE event last year. Uh, it was almost actually almost about a year ago in London, and you did a keynote presentation on uh, digital transformation, and I want to hear all about how it's been going in the last year, because it's all well and good to talk to someone, you know, telling us how they are going to do something. It's been a year later. So update us. Uh, what's the progress? How's it been going? So thanks for, for asking. Obviously, um, there's a lot of transformations going on in many supply chains. Uh, so in ours, we are on an eight years journey now. So building an end-to-end supply chain, trying to, well, wanting to add value to the business and, uh, uh, try to become more agile to serve our consumers and customers better. The focuses have changed over the years. We focused first on people, on organization, um, then on the asset base, so the factories. We invested a lot, and now on our capabilities um, and sustainability, which we, I'm sure we will talk later. Um, on the digital transformation, we have moved nicely forward, um, both on the market side, so the systems we need uh, to get better in planning, end-to-end planning, so we are working on a new end-to-end planning tool, but the same for the factories to digitize the factories end-to-end so that we can lift them in the cloud and can operate them better with uh, less errors and with more predictability. And um, 
It's a huge enterprise. I think where we made nice progress, which is often not so visible, over the last year is in procurement. Um, so we have a very, very high automation rate, over 90%. It uses a lot of uh, tools like artificial intelligence to predict uh, materials, to predict our forecast better. So overall, we have moved. Um, where we still have work to do, Maria, is systems is always the one piece, um, but you need people to deal with that. And uh, not only to implement, but you need people to to deal with the system. So this is where we're still investing a lot in capability building, the new skills we need, on analytical skills, on on in the factories as well. It's a different way of, of dealing with the machines, with information you get, the way you plan. So here we invest a lot uh, over the last uh, 12 months or a bit longer on our capabilities. Um, maybe a last point on the digital side, we use the digitization as well to consolidate work. So to build centers of excellence, uh, which helps us as well to bring talent together, work on certain parts of the supply chain, which is enabled through the digital connection of the countries and the factories. You know what, and the thing with transformation is that it's an ongoing thing, right? I mean, it's it's not finite. You don't sort of, okay, we transformed and it's over. This is, like you say, you know, systems are constantly evolving. Technology is moving at a really fast pace. And so then it creates more work, doesn't it? Because you've got to train your people. You've got to create more robust processes. Uh, so it's good to hear that over the last 12 months, you've achieved quite a lot uh, already. And it sounds like you're still doing a lot more. One of the things that I wanted to bring up is I know that you're very proud of one of your big achievements, which is uh, a 300 million euro state-of-the-art production center in Leipzig. And this is where we're going to talk a little bit about sustainability, because I know that you're hoping that the center is going to play a big part in elevating productivity whilst increasing sustainability. What are the few the last few months been like, you know, uh, and, and more importantly, what role is this center going to play in the grand scheme of things? Maria, it's, it's a good question, and it shows quite nicely the time we are in because Yes, supply chains are transforming. I'm in supply chains now for over 30 years. We have always transformed, but now we are operating differently. We are operating more in real time. We are operating more prescriptive, forward-looking. It's very different to the past where you looked into whatever sold the last 10 years and <laughs> you built your forecast and, <laughs> and you worked your way through with your suppliers. It's very different now. And the same with the factory. So we built um, a factory in Germany. We are a German company. It was a huge thing for us. It was as well um, an aggregation of several projects. We closed locations as well to, to consolidate volumes in Germany. And by doing this, we enabled that our workforce could stay with us. So we basically found a location quite close to existing factories to bring that up. So. We built a digital factory. It's a it's a very highly automated production site, um, one of the most automated for us. Um, huge investment, huge asset base, which requires a a vertical startup. No, you, so you need to hit the ground running and return. Um, the biggest challenge was less the machines. It was more to skill the people, to bring the people up to that level. Uh, new technologies, new ways of working, um, new capabilities needed. And as well, new crews, because only part of it came from the previous factories and part of them were new, so to bring them together. So it was more the challenge, I would say, a human side. I think the other challenge is that the factory has been built through COVID times. 
and design through COVID times. So you see the deficiencies as well when you design and, and construct something um, on teams or virtually uh, and don't work together. So you clearly see that. Um, and you see the limit of not working physically together as, as teams, as engineers on, on something. And obviously we had uh, the, the, the shortages of materials and the cost increases. But I would say the first few months have been very exciting, like you you are in a new yeah, in a new playground, may I say that word? It's it's fantastic when you the pride when you see that when you see that factory, but then to get it starting and running is it's it's hard work. And obviously it's a complex factory, um uh, means a lot of challenges coming up. But net um it's running, going up in expectations, um, and we're happy with it. The grand opening gonna be next week. We have to put a lot of effort into take the people with us to run these new machines, to run this new technology. And and insofar as the role that it's going to play in the grand scheme of things with regards to sustainability, is it the thinking behind consolidating all those factories into one place? Is it just the way that you're operating? How does it fit into your sustainability strategy? Overall, it's um, like many of, of us FMCG companies, we have scope one, two, three, so it fits into scope one and two. And uh, scope three is the bigger challenge for us. Um, so the, the factory has combined several things. Obviously, it will be carbon neutral, but it, has, it enables us to switch a complete product portfolio into sustainable formulations and packaging, reducing the amount of packaging we leverage, so thin walling at high speed, and having suppliers around the corner. So the end-to-end, -end, so a lot of calculation was done into the end-to-end -end value chain from supply to customers to minimize the carbon footprint. Um, and this is what the outcome that was. And interestingly, the center of that gravity between logistics, supplier, um, and value generation, so conversion, was in yeah that part of Germany. And hence, we decided. But it will have a huge impact on our overall carbon footprint on the material side, um, formulation side, so scope three, um, but as well in scope one and two on logistics and the factory itself. It is. It is a. It's a step change in that. I was just going to say it's a huge move, and and I want to go back a little bit to something else you said, which is sticking with me, which I think is an important point. You've talked about a career that spans over thirty years, and supply chain has always been transforming, right? But I loved what you said there about how we're now operating in a different way. That's a really big part of what we talk about with transformation: is that we're no longer dealing in the same world we were in. 20 years ago, right? I mean, it's a fundamental paradigm shift in the supply chain position. W what are your thoughts on that? I mean, net, I think it's super cool because you move into a real-time supply chain. Right? And the reason why we have inventories is because we don't know when our stuff is coming and we don't know when we sell it and how much we sell. So very often we are <laughs> sitting on these challenges and, um, and we buffer for quality issues and others. Now with being real-time and a more predictive forecast, so a much clever and, and analytically based forecast, we can take a lot of waste out of the system. And I think this is the nice thing to do. Now, if you think how much we still ship to buffer or to, to how much inventory, the warehouses you see. And this is 
what a real-time supply chain, and this is not just in time, it's real time. It's real, so just in time is moving the responsibility to someone else's back uh, or on someone else's back. It's really real time and you can real time manipulate it. And I think this is this is phenomenal news as well for our environment because it will have an impact on less waste, on better leveraging our resources, using less energy. So this is why well, I think it's a it's a super cool move now. It's different to scale. It's different. It's a very different environment now, where we are working in, and and I'm really looking forward to this. Downside is Maria. It requires very different skills to deal with this. You have these control towers, you have these centers now, ambiguity and the forecast, the system says X, my experience says Y, my boss says Z. So how do I deal with this different data? And um, it requires a very different skill of of leadership as well no? and, and understanding because you move from punching your own numbers in and or fixing your machine by yourself to a system providing you a diagnostics or analytical forecast and you need to say it's right or wrong and you you move from doing it to judging and it's it's very it requires very different skills but i think as well good skill i mean it's interesting jobs very very interesting jobs than we can offer in the future you know one of the questions that i get asked a lot harold is what are the skills that are going to be needed in the future of supply chain, right? It, it's just a question that everybody, every parent is asking, every leader is asking, and there's a fixation and focus on technological skills. But what I like to say is really what we're looking for is critical thinking, is the ability to have agile, resourceful thinking that can respond to different situations, that can look at things like you said you get diagnostics okay well how how does that diagnostic report fit into the overarching you know the overarching strategy of the business to some degree so i totally echo what you're saying it's more exciting world to be living in than just you know operating a machine in a small part you 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 know what do you think of that generally it depends on the industry you're in i i would still say so i I talk now more for, for fast-moving consumer goods where, where supply chain is not always at the forefront. I think the skills required generally are leadership skills because you will always have one way or the other large teams or large areas of responsibility. Now, if a procurement person does, some, does a mistake, it has huge impact. If a factory person makes a mistake, it has huge impact. If a planner plans it wrong, whatever you deal with, you have very significant impact. So I think you need to learn to lead. Um, you need to learn to, to deal with ambiguity. Um, and you need to learn to, to influence without authority. It's, it's really this sort of environment you, I think this is one point. Um, from a technical skill, it's maybe similar to maybe airline industries. Pilot skills are very different now than in the past. It's I think the skills now are less technical. No? It's as you said, it's analytical skills, it's um, resilience, it's obviously mental re mental resilience, being able to prioritize to see the the woods for the trees. I, I think these sort of things are are essential. But for me, it's still around. The most important criteria is leadership in a very volatile environment and engage people, envision people to take them with you through the journey. I think that's that's it, because the world will become far more ambiguous. Decisions will become far more ambiguous, especially as more you deal with systems. 
and the decision cycles will become much shorter because everything is real time and you learn, you know, you win some, you lose some, so you will always have decisions you get right and decisions you you do wrong. Important is that you take a decision and move forward. But it's, um, I think from a, for a talent perspective, it's a great time to join supply chain because it's, it's, um, it's interesting. You see a lot, you have a huge span of areas you can see, you can explore and um and learn so it's a it's a nice part of the industry yeah and, and you know you talk about ambiguity but it, there's a lot of unpredictability you know going back to your earlier point you know you used to be able to go okay what did you do last year let's forecast based on that and there was a less ambiguity and less and more predictability so i think having people that can be agile and responsive to unpredictable situations the world is going to keep throwing at us is probably key strength I want to focus now on diversity because uh, I know that as well as improving on sustainability, you're also very much focused on the diversity piece as well. Now, from what I understand, you're currently boasting a 50-50 male to female ratio in middle management positions, which is phenomenal, by the way. Congratulations. But you've said in the past that this feat was achieved by taking more risks with talent. And I'd like to focus a little bit on that in terms of risk because Diverse teams, and I don't mean in just in terms of diversity in gender, in ethnicity, just diverse thinking is one of the ways forward in an ambiguous world. So can you talk to us a little bit about where you are with your diversity initiatives? How have you fared with your teams? So, I mean, we, we know that a more diverse supply chain works better. No? So it's, um, it's, it's the setup and, and the and the studies done that their personal beliefs um it's normal to me it's normal it's uh, the challenge is always the career path and to build people into those roles very often these are large leadership roles if you run a region if you run a couple of factories if you if you run logistics operations you always have huge responsibilities so you need to be able to provide career paths reflecting Everything, no? circumstances, male need, female need, ethnical diversity, whatever you have, you need to respect this and, and put this in. I think this is this is important. Um, it's as well important, and maybe the risk is the wrong word, it's more planning that a career in supply chain takes time to be ready to run a big factory, to be ready to run a big operation um, or procurement organization or the quality organization takes time it takes experience and you need to map the career path i think quite carefully i think this is one of the learning we have and one of the challenges we have maria we are not the biggest company so we have only a limited amount of leadership positions so we need to really map this carefully and, and work this and manage expectations and um, but we see the results i i must say and um, and i i would I would not even question. It should become. I know for many companies it's still a change, but it should become more normal. It is. It is a normal ways of working nowadays. But I. I think. I think it, especially in, in. In tense situations or in in situations where. Certain challenges are a diverse team operates better because you have different views on the topic and you can and you sort of complement each other in 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 certain decisions 
it's the same here in the board now. We are fully diverse, and it's calmer, it's stronger decisions, it's better discussions. Um, more fun as well. We laugh far more and, uh, and smile about things. So I think um, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's a must. The, the watchout is really the career path, the development, uh, taking care, um, expatriation. Yeah, the move. I mean, these are all global roles. People need to be able to move. You have family situations. You have dual career, which you have to respect. Um, so all these things you need to be quite open to, and then it works out very well. You know. I think the world is just going to get more complicated, isn't it? So the more teams are having a bit of fun and having a are able to lean on each other and smile a little bit more is probably going to be a, a helpful way to deal with this. Now I'm going to change the the topic a little bit and, and, and refer to something that was an incident that occurred in the organization in 2017. The reason I bring it up is, uh, and this is the cyber attack that happened, the reason I bring it up is because I've heard you talk about it a lot on many occasions, and it seems like this incident was a fork in the road moment for the organization. And uh, a lot of the initiatives that we've been discussing today are uh, really born out of the company's desire to review its processes following the attack. Now, I don't think that there's a lot that is spoken about in supply chain with regards to cyber. That's, that's my feeling. I feel that it's a buck that's passed on to someone else. It's the, that person's issue over there. But how? I'm curious to know, how do you look back on that moment uh, all those years later? I mean, on one side, we learned a lot. On the other side, I'm obviously very nervous about it because it always can happen again. So what happened? I mean, the, the full company got stalled um, with one virus, and uh, which was dormant and then uh, came up. Um, it uh, basically infected all the boot drives of our servers, so so 4,000 servers and 20,000 laptops were down. We had no communication, nothing. As every good, com I mean, and we had no crisis team. We were not even ready from that perspective. Of course, as a as a company, you you put yourself together, you work that way through. Interesting was not how we went through the cyber attack because we came through quite quickly. We came through within 10 days, but post cyber. That is what distorted the supply chain for over a year. Um, so we lost net sales for, uh, for, let's say, two weeks, and we independently tried to catch up and, and broke the supply chain uh, by over-forecasting, by ambitious sales, by promotions. So we were not synchronized as a company anymore. And it took us over a year to get this bull whip down. And um, based on that, Plus the cyber, we put several things in place. We put um, a resilience program in place. At that time, it was 2018. From procurement to manufacturing to logistics, we accelerated digitalization. Not only increased, we accelerated digitalization capabilities in these times. We put crisis processes in place, which we still use, um, so that we have the capability to manage certain shortages or certain incidents centrally very quickly and we put significantly amount more capacity in so we lower the utilization of our factories and we reduce significantly the dependency of other third-party product suppliers so so this is what we did it took some time but it helped us through covid so in covid we were still running a service level of 98 despite all supply shortages so it helped quite a lot 
um, but was a huge learning. The nervousness, Maria, is it can happen again, and you can't be more, you can't be prepared enough for it. It's it, it's happening. The the I would say the most of the vulnerabilities is probably still the factories, um, the machines now with more and more online management of uh, maintenance of the machines. So these are areas where I think parts of our industry is quite vulnerable, and um, we need to watch out. But we still review this from time to time. As a group as well, we put a crisis management team in the I mean, for other companies, it's normal, but for us, it was all new. But hindsight, we learned a lot. I think the other thing we learned is that we need, as a company in that situation, align our goals better. No? Especially when we came out, we we had all individual goals. The, the, obviously, the, the salespeople wanted to sell as much and catch up the, the, the two weeks outages. We wanted to recover and... Uh, and calm things down. So it was a, a big mismatch as well. So it was a lot of inside work as well on processes between the different parts of the company organizations. But we learned a lot out of it and um, and um, strengthened obviously our IT infrastructure with three different buckets we put in place. But as I said, it can always happen again. You're right. You can't, no one can be prepared for the unknown, but at least you're thinking about it. And that is a step that many organizations are not taking per se. So I think that is a, that's a step further than most. I want to ask you about the future. I'm not going to ask you to take out a crystal ball and predict it or anything, but what are your thoughts on the, where we're going to be? I'm not talking about you or your organization. I'm talking about the supply chain profession. In the next couple of years, what are we going to be seeing, you think, from a people, process, and technology perspective? You see this with some of the companies. I mean, I'm talking now more from my industry. No? I mean, as I said, chemical, automotive, electronics are very different to us. But with more and more e-com fulfillment, supply chain will become more and more the heart of a, not heart, but it will become a very impactful organization in, in our business, in our industry. Uh, because at the end of the day, as more e-com it is, it's, it's order fulfillment, uh, marketing will be precision marketing, and it will become more and more, I would say, the battle on the shelf will be a battle of the supply chains, the agility of the supply chains, how fast are you in innovations, how fast are you with the capabilities to ship your product, how fast are you, to, how agile are you. I think this will become more and more the future. I think the second differentiating point will be sustainability, so how good are you or how about your capability to transform your portfolio to a very sustainable portfolio and to have a very low impact so to reduce your carbon footprint i think this will become very very dominant um, especially by penalties in some markets or surcharges you will face no? um, so that's the second point and the third point it's um, digitalization i mean it's it's uh, how much how much non-added value work can you take out of your operation? How can you automate things? How can you uh, set up your overall business in a data structure that you have, you have the leanest possible company at the end of not only supply chain? So I think these are the three elements for the future and then people who will make the difference. But I think one of the challenge we have now, Maria, that we see a lot of interest in supply chain people from other industries, ne? from the e-com businesses, from others, who have never thought about recruiting a supply chain planner or recruiting a, a supply chain person. So we see a lot of, when people leave us, they leave to industries we haven't thought about. 
so the, the hunt for talent is certainly uh, there as well. But I think our biggest net, if we really step back, um, is how do we handle the fast net zero? So to really reduce our carbon impact, become net zero, because this is really a time bomb we are we are sitting on, and which can destroy any business very quickly. No? I, I would agree with you. I would agree with all those points. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of the podcast. Um, I want to thank you for being here. But before I let you go, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody on my podcast, which is to reflect back and think about a book that might have had a big impact on your life, whether personal, professional, uh, and recommend a book. I mean, if I go really back, which brought me into university and supply chain, it's funny, it's Lord of the Rings. I, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. I mean, it's not an intellectual book. I mean, we all read uh, books and it's not a, a business book, but it really uh, was so fascinating for me when I read it. I was 18, 19, I think. And uh, it made me really think about to do what you really want to do and follow your passion. It was uh, because I was on a different career path and a different path. And this is what brought me into where I am now. So it's maybe not related now to business and uh, it's uh, not uh, any leadership skills. It had a huge impact to me. So if I, if I state that interestingly. The other book is, the second one is um, similar to this, is from a German Africa explorer. It's called Die Große Reise, the, the big journey or large journey. Um, and he explored Africa in the 18th and century. And it had as well for me personally a, a, huge, a huge impact. So these are the two. Well, I want to thank you for, uh, thank you for giving us different, uh, different um, recommendations. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast and being so open and sharing uh, with us your um you know your journey and again i want to say congratulations to you and your team i know that you were recognized uh recently in the oscars for supply chain so i want to recognize you and your team for a job well done and for the recognition you got thank you maria i really enjoyed the podcast thanks for the good question and uh, yeah looking forward to talk again thank you very much so that's it for this week thanks for listening i do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode to stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.